What's up? You are now listening to Americanized, a storytelling podcast where you'll hear from eclectic first and second generation Americans share their stories and real life experiences as children of immigrants. Happy holidays! What's up, Americanized family? Thank you so much for tuning in. And hesitantly, happy Kwanzaa. I say hesitantly, and we'll get into this. The roots and origins of Kwanzaa, including its problematic founder, Dr. Karinge. In this episode, my brain was stimulated as I chatted with Clara, a well-rounded Haitian-American who shares her experiences exploring different religions and observing Kwanzaa for a period of her life before she uncovered the haunting reality of Kwanzaa, the founder, its past, its what it's associated with, what it's the correlations, the history, and all of that, in which we will discuss in this episode. A few weeks ago on Instagram, on my personal Instagram, I shared a note, a new feature, where you kind of just share a thought for the day, I guess. And I was like, just jokingly saying how Kwanzaa is coming up, and I'm so excited. I think I said, like, it's almost Kwanzaa, eh? and then... I got some responses about like, oh, I didn't know you celebrated Kwanzaa, and I don't celebrate Kwanzaa. And then Clara was one of the the people that responded to that note, and then we got into like, oh, Kwanzaa has great principles and all, but do you know about its founder and the, the background behind it? And I was like, no, and then, you know, just thinking about the way I perceive Kwanzaa, which I talk about in the episode, and now knowing that there's a dark side to it, that became the birth of this episode, so if you're curious about Kwanzaa, definitely stay tuned and find out more. So my name is Clara, I'm 28 years old, I am a Haitian-American poet, essayist, photographer, critic um, from way of Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, was born in Connecticut, but grew up in South Florida. Deep interest in um, Black feminism and history, art, culture, um, the occult, horror. I love like what we find scary as a society. Um, and yeah, very interested in religion as well. Um, I am also in the LGBT community um, and hold that to very, like, I'm very prideful of my identity and that I, you know, informs so much of how I move through the world, um, and think about the world and see the world. Um, although I'm recently now kind of divesting from a reactive mindset, um, and more so kind of processing, like, for example, I had an interaction last night with a white man and he was like, we were talking about where I'm from, Palm Beach. And he was like, oh, you know, I love Palm Beach. It's not like Miami where those thugs are. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? I'm just enjoying an appetizer here with my sister. Do I tell him why that's wrong? Do I like entertain it? Do I? And I just sat there and I made a decision to just take that L that day. Yesterday, I was just like, I don't have it. I don't have the spoons to educate this man I'll probably never see again, but definitely more invested in, you know, if I have the, the white relationships in my life, like 
entertaining those conversations, which are also far and few. Um, but I, you know, the white people that I do have in my life are allies. Anywho, I'm interested in racial dynamics, gender, sexuality, um, all that fun, juicy goodness. Um, yeah. Oh, awesome. A lot of deep interest and passions and like hot topics as well. And I love that you said spoons. <laughs> love that concept of energy conservation because getting into those conversations takes so much. Like you have to be prepared. And you have to back up so much that you I know. know and what people you're are talking generally about. defensive when they're called out, you know, yeah. and it's just like, uh, it, it, it's just so much emotional work that I think mm-hmm. of, one of my favorite authors, her name is Stacey Ann Chen. She's a lesbian Jamaican poet. And she has this quote. She was like, when I was younger, I used to be a sledgehammer. And as I've aged, I'm paraphrasing. She's like, as I've aged, I am a chisel and a sledgehammer. And like, just like learning when to be like meticulous with your fights or when to rage. And I feel like as I'm nearing my thirties, I don't have the same gusto or energy as I did in my early twenties and teens. And while I value that, and I think it's important, I think youthful energy is always important to like liberation movements and just a generative society, how our youth is doing. Um, I'm also just like, yeah, I'm not old either. Like I'm, you know, 28 very young but already tired you know done lived so many lives already it feels so yeah I'm just like okay is it worth it to have this conversation is this someone that's going to be engaged do I even value like you know just going through the the list of Mm -hmm. whether or not to engage whereas like I feel like when I was younger I was definitely like like popping off any anybody any moment any ready to go off on like anyone that would reply to me on twitter they'd be like <laughs> they call me like the word on twitter and i'm like you now it's just like blog <laughs> yeah yeah it's a little easier on the internet to just block people but now you have like this mental flow chart of is it worth it or not <laughs> or exactly. will someone else talk to them is it does it have to be me right now so i know <laughs> and sometimes it is you sometimes it does have to be you but it's not gonna be me and sometimes it is me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be me. <laughs> right. Um, I want to dive into the religion aspects because our main topic is Kwanzaa, which is coming uh, up. I know, and, yeah. The 26th. Yeah. The 26th. So I've never celebrated Kwanzaa in mm-hmm. my interpretation of it over the, because I, my family's African mm-hmm. and everybody in my family I know don't celebrate Kwanzaa, which I feel like growing up, it was like, this is an African holiday. Everyone who's Black or African celebrates this. And me being like one of the few Black people in my, mm-hmm. growing up in my class, like, oh, do you celebrate Kwanzaa, Roslyn? No, I celebrate Christmas. My whole family celebrates Christmas. Or even like with other coworkers when the holidays come up, do you celebrate Christmas? Yes, I celebrate Christmas. So I yeah. never looked into Kwanzaa or like what it is because I'm like, that's not, no right yeah and the way I thought of it is like I think I don't think Africans brought this over I think this is a black American holiday where they're trying to connect with their roots that's just how I thought of it and I could be really wrong because I never did formal research Mm. on it yeah with you having celebrated it in the past I want to know 
yeah. like just give it all to me because I sure I will I like have taken I've done some note taking but um I first off was baptized Roman Catholic as a child so that already like the most common denomination amongst Black people in the U.S. is Christianity non-denominational um so to be a Catholic Black person Caribbean in Connecticut was really alienating as a child, but I also took pride in being Catholic. I loved wearing the little crucifix and, you know, going to mass and having my little rosary and doing the prayers. And, you know, I loved how prompt church was and, you know, the smell of the incense. There is something calming about being in a, a, like the stained glass windows. I love like the architecture of Catholic churches, but, you know, deep, dark history of like, 1500s during Spanish colonization of Hispaniola, now IET, Dominican Republic, uh, France and Spain, as they like in, you know, invaded the island, brought the Africans to the island, killed the Tanyo population, instilled Catholicism. So there is a violent history with that. And, you know, growing up, just always going to church and always being the only Black family. And I remember in particular when Barack Obama in 2008, around that time, that was like a tough economic time. Obviously, like our country was really desperate. We had finished George W. Bush, whatever the hell he was doing in office. Um, And so there was that like, you know, cynical but hopeful energy. But I remember our church was really adamantly against Barack Obama because he was pro-abortion. And that's not why my parents left the church, but my dad is, you know, my parents aren't by any means like black liberationists. I don't think they would identify with that at all. Like they didn't actually really raise me with any racial awareness. Um, Other in the sense of you are black and you must be better than everyone because people are expecting the worst of you. But other than that, there weren't conversations about racism. But I remember my father being like, that was the last day for him to go to church. He's like, I'm not going to mass anymore because like he was like, that struck a chord with him. Just like, you know, them like being against Barack Obama. My parents are both very like adamant liberals, Democrats vote in local elections, you know, uh, but I myself am a Marxist, but um, yeah. So that was like, had that religious kind of weird limbo where, you know, I was 13, didn't really have like a spiritual guide and During that time, my parents divorced or separated. Uh, They wouldn't divorce until years later. But uh, yeah, so during that time, you know, started going to church with my friends and became a Christian, but never got baptized. I had a first communion as like a Catholic, like 11, very exciting, little white dress, gloves, like that moment. And I always had moments as a kid where I felt like I didn't get what everyone was getting at church. I was like, why? I'm not getting the spirit. I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. And I remember even asking my mother as a child one night, I was like, who are God's parents? And she was like, they're just things we don't know. And that's it. And, you know, there a lot of Haitian people, I'm going to go all over the place. Let me try to be singular. I'm going to finish my thought and then go around. So yeah, my spiritual journey, like I was like, okay, became like Advent Christian. And for me at the time, it felt like a form of repression and reprieve, like going through familial issues and kind of feeling like, you know, not emotionally seen by my parents wanting that spiritual outlet and having my friends all be in church and, you know, free pizza at church. And that's where all like the kids are hanging out. And I became a youth group leader and I was a youth group leader up until like age 17. And that was like a moment where I remember like, 
like I was realizing like I was attracted to girls I didn't have like the language for it and was just feeling like the pressure and feeling kind of not seen by God and I remember like everyone in my family asking me when I was going to get baptized and when I was going to become a Christian and you know leave Catholicism because um there's a lot of I my aunt is a like evangelical and her husband is a evangelical and they go to Haiti often on missionary trips um and I'll have some conversations about that later but um so you know lots of pressure within my family when am I going to accept Christ when am I going to accept Christ and I was like oh my god and I was at church and there was a moment where a young girl was like what is heaven like and I, I didn't have an answer for her and I just as someone that is like I am a student of the world I think the Bible is an interesting book. There's so many literary, at least in American literature, references to it. I think it is an important piece that everyone should read. You know, there are, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, like great principles. I think that the message of Christ, a lot of Christians don't move very Christ-like at all. Like, you know, and um, yeah, so I was just having some conflict and I was like, I'm going to put this away for right now. This just doesn't feel right for me. And, you know, 17 kind of going into discovering Tumblr and which was fun and innocent at first, like pictures of the beach turned into like full on diaspora dialogue. And that was important. That was like enriching. And that's when I, when I was 17, I also started college and my professor at the time, my humanities professor, Dr. McAllister, gay man told us about his story about growing up Catholic as a Catholic usher boy and being gay and renouncing Catholicism and discovering Karl Marx and a quote that Karl Marx says or said, which was religion is the opiate of the masses. And that resonated with me. And I had felt like for a while I'd been you know, looking for solace and relief and I wasn't finding it and I was feeling iffy and, you know, I, my parents felt like they were really progressive growing up because they allowed us to wear pants like me and my sisters. And cause I have some girl cousins that grew up weren't allowed to wear pants. And, you know, that was like seen as masculine and, um, you know, so they were like, you know, we, we are progressive. We let you wear pants. So having issues with the gender and misogyny within religion and you know, my, I myself not really ever really resonating with quote unquote femininity or subscribing to like motherhood. And yeah, so just asking all these questions, taking these humanities classes, going to a Buddhist temple for the first time and having like a vegetarian meal, like I'm a Buddhist. And then like someone from our class coming and teaching us about Islam. And I was like, I'm a Muslim, like, oh my God. And just feeling spiritually touched and like, you know, feeling okay to let go of like a Christian label. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm agnostic. And then I kind of went into like atheism. And then I was like, oh, let me figure out Kwanzaa. Like, let me get into like Pan-Africanist religion, spirituality practices. And it was like, a, I feel like December 17, I had maybe just turned 18. It had to be 10 years ago at this point now. Yeesh. But I was just like, okay, I want to celebrate this holiday. And I remember seeing it briefly on the Proud family when I was a child, like they celebrated it, but then like going as an adult and never going into the history or the founder or anything, just like loving the ritual of like, also having had grown up in Palm Beach and there is a large Jewish diaspora and growing up with Jewish people and like the menorah and the candle lighting and even Catholic churches during Christmas do Advent. It's like during the month, it's like four, four candles. So loving that concept. And I was like, oh, this is really cool and neat. And I never got the candles or anything, but I was, you know, I, I observed the days and I would like tweet the days out and like hashtag it every year and kind of fell off of it 
you know, maybe like, I don't know. I went through like, I think <laughs> I always joke and I'm like, I have a hotep rising because I love like, I love hotepery foolishness, but also I think that hotepness or I now call patriarchal like pan-Africanist beliefs are important for maybe a beginning for folks that are Black people that are just getting into pan-Africanist beliefs or, you know, recognizing themselves like, hey, even though I am born in America, I am still an African. And, you know, and it was always like a pan-Africanist religion. It was never, or I guess like celebration or obser observation, excuse me, uh, or practice. Um, I, 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 growing up, no one ever really asked me if I celebrated Kwanzaa or, or anything. I remember like maybe even like jokingly telling people like, what about Kwanzaa? Like, you know, but, or like the little like red, black and green beads, like pasta, penne pasta necklaces that like kids made when you're younger. But yeah, that's when I started. And it wasn't until like, I would say, so when you posted that story, you're like, oh my God, Kwanzaa's coming. That triggered a memory in me, a woman, I couldn't find her thread. But I found a lot of other sources uh, for this information. But a woman was like, oh my God, if y'all are celebrating Schwanza, y'all need to look up. Let me um, find the finder's name. God, if I could read my own handwriting, that'd be great. Ron Everett, who now goes by Dr. Maluna Karenge. They're like, oh my God, this man's like an abuser. He's a woman beater, like whatever. And I was like, word. So I looked on this thread that this woman had put together and she had described how he had held two women hostage and obviously trigger warning, excuse me, before I talk about this um, as we go into it. And that was like, wow, that really highlighted a lot. And even in my own artistic practice, I often talk about God and my own relation to religion and honestly re religious trauma that I've had as like someone that experiences same sex attraction in my family and yeah, like, I don't know, it felt nice. And, and and even like the symbolic seven days of like from the, you know, 26th to the 1st and the first being Haitian Independence Day and like a voodoo ritual being a part of our revolution and a part of our, you know, success. And I think that, I guess we'll get into like the meat and potatoes after I go off this tangent, but yeah, like, yeah, I just got into it because I wanted, I wanted to be more attached and in tune with my blackness, but then also learn disappointingly, like a lot of the religions that we have that are common currently are Abrahamic in origin of the fact that like men think they're God and this idea of like, God is never gendered, right? And I know that even in the Torah, God doesn't have a gender, but, or a gender pronoun, I should say, but we have in our at least Western society, you know, visualized God as a white person. So I loved the idea of like Kwanzaa being this kind of born in rebellion, you know, post like the Watts riots in 1966. So, you know, Dr. Maluna being like, hey, we need something as black people to know that like we have a practice. We, we don't have to celebrate Christmas. Like this is a religion that was enforced onto us by like other people, but we can also observe. It was a, a more of a he also wanted to observe like the solstice, like the harvest of this time. And I know that's like common also in, and I, I might be misspeaking and I can't speak to this as much, but I, in 2019, 
visited Mexico City and 45 minutes, I think either north or south of the city, there are the, um, I'm, I would love a better word for this because I feel like it's so white centered, but ruins of like the pre-colonial, pre-Spanish, you know, like of the, the indigenous folks of Mexico there. And there's the, uh, like a shrine for the moon and a shrine for the sun. And um, the, our guide, our tour guide, he was a native. He was explaining to us how the, the indigenous folks would worship the sun and the moon and the gods that brought them this, like the harvest and, you know, one another, you know, eating the fruits and preparing and that those principles bring being brought to Kwanzaa, not obviously like way of Mexican indigenous culture, but like in parallel, you know, in tandem, that felt exciting to me. And it being more of the body and less of the external spirit. Like I was like, oh, okay. Like, and if you'd like, I'll read the days. Um, so like the first day of Kwanzaa is Amoja, which is unity, which is maintaining unity as a family and community and race of people. The second day, I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> is uh ku kujaku which is um self-determination i told kujagulia your i can't speak self-determination defining um creativity speaking for ourselves the third day is ujima collective work and responsibility building it and maintaining our community solving problems together the fourth day is Ujama Cooperative Economics, building and maintaining retail stores and other businesses to promote these ventures. The, um, the fifth day is nice. Nia, let me look on my phone. Do, 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 do. Okay, so yeah, Nia, purpose. <laughs> So working collecti collectively to build community. And then the sixth day is Kumba, which is creativity and new and innovative ways to build communities of African descent and more beautiful and beneficial communities than inherited. And the seventh day is Imani, which is faith. And this is all Swahili. Uh, the belief in God, family, heritage, leaders, and others that will leave to the victories, lead to the victories of the Africans around the world. Um, so I guess like the principles, yeah, were really exciting to me and inspiring. But knowing the history of Dr. Maluna and like his misogyny and him like claiming so he went to prison. He was incarcerated from 1971 to 74 for his crimes. And recently he went on to the Black Power Media podcast um, eight months ago and he spoke on the allegations and he was like, oh, they never found me guilty for it. And it was the CIA. There are also, there are also, and Coulter, right-wing, you know, conservative said that <laughs> like, Dr. Mulani is in with the CIA and I'm like if a like a right winger is saying that about you that's not a good look also like it's probably true but my whole thing is what would be the FBI's excuse me like motive and intention of like 
while I do believe in spiritual war- like warfare, and I think that is a part of colonization and like that is not to be like taken lightly. Like I'm also interested in why like a Pan-Africanist want like, you know, but you know, I'm not negating that as well because the CIA did infiltrate like the Church of Islam, which also around the same time, there was this, it's funny because I I wanted to look up what was going on religiously in 1966 that people were called to, you know, leaving Christianity, Black people. And like from the 60s onward, there's been a decrease of Black Catholics as well. But it seems that steady, there's like Christianity within Black people. But yeah, I was curious. And there was like a Time Magazine article cover and it was like, is God dead? That was like the cover of Time. So I think of the 60s and it's like World War II, the end of World War II. And like people just like, I think there's like this romanticization, at least in white America and even in black America of like the 70s of like, oh my God, it was like popping time. Music was popping. It was like a disparaging time. Like people were desperate for God. People were desperate for like some sort of like parentalness, it seems like. And I don't know, I'm interested like that his victims were black and it also drew me to Jonestown, which would happen 12 years later, 1978, where Jim Jones took 900 people to Guyana and killed them, convinced themselves to kill each other. 50% of his victims were black women. Um, whereas 75% of his congregation that were attending the church were uh, Black women as well. So I'm like, yeah, I'm curious to know, like, as a Black woman, yeah, like, our draw to different religious practices or, and, and also, like, men exploiting our rituals and rituals that we're having with them and or wanting to share and, and harvest. I don't know. It's all very interesting to me. And I'm at a point where, I don't fault other black people for celebrating Kwanzaa, especially if you don't know, but I'm at a place right now where I can't safely say like, this is a principle I particularly like, am going to bring into my life again, but I am definitely someone that loves lighting a candle and acknowledging my ancestors and building an altar and talking to God and spirit and soul. And, you know, especially like, like celebrating Christmas during this time. And I love that like Hanukkah and Christmas overlap. Um, it feels holy. Um, I'm not sure what religion, I mean, or if there's like a celebration right now, like in Muslim faith or in Islam or, you know, um, but yeah, something about right now, winter time feels like ritualistic and, and, and time to gather within community and all that good stuff. So many good points. You answered a lot of my questions along the way, mm-hmm. but also raised up a, a few more questions too. The founder of Kwanzaa, he mm-hmm. is Black American. From Maryland, way of Maryland. His parents had 14 children. Mm-hmm. His father was a chair pop, cropper. Mm-hmm. Um, then he moved to LA. There's not much information after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like started uh, like a group kind of parallel to the Panthers um, where like two of his members murdered people which is crazy I also read from the Daily Caller that um, the seven principles are Kwanzaa mirror those seven principles of the Symbionis Liberation Army who like robbed a bank and killed two people maybe that's the group I'm not sure again 
Wow. So this uh, is really an aggressive time, like coming up from the Black Power movement. So I can, I mean, I can oh. yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that was a lot of the feedback and within at least the Nation of Islam that mm-hmm. um, Malcolm X had for, um, his name is leaving me, uh, you know, the leader of the Nation of Islam. Maybe we shouldn't know his name off the top. But um, <laughs> I know like him sleeping with uh, girls that were young, you know, like teenage girls and Malcolm X's, you know, his, his quote about how we treat black women and, you know, how we're the most disrespected population in the U.S., like, came from it, watching the behavior of men within the organization. Mm-hmm. And I know Cantel and Pro, that was a lot of what they were negging on Malcolm, um, Martin Luther King was that he was junior, that he was cheating on Coretta and, mm-hmm. you know, presenting that. And, yeah, there seems to be within, in the 60s, like, a public thread of you know misogyny like Mm. when the second wave feminism movement was just growing its buds and women were definitely getting more class consciousness and like you just see like I don't know the bimbofication of Marilyn Monroe and JFK and then his brother like hooking up with her and I don't know just like there's this yeah like I feel like the 60s I can understand why women wanted religion or differences or wanted a place in practice the victims of Ron Everett I actually never said their names their names were Deborah Jones and Gail Davis um that they were both living with him at the time and he was in a drug-induced paranoid state he claims and um you know, got together with his his wife at the time and some of like their male friends and like abuse the woman, torture them, you know, I'll leave whoever like interacts with this to look that up themselves. I'm not going to retell that trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, to have them claimed that it was like a psychotic break and a psychiatrist confirmed that he was insane, but that doesn't, that's context. Like, I still think that's calculated. And he was thinking that they were like, you know, CIA agents. It's so, you know, I always think it's interesting how when men claim they're in their wrong mind or like, you know, not right. It's always against women conveniently, you know, it's where the quickest body is defined. So I'm like, I'm not sure. And two, and in the video, he's like, Oh, it said, they said there was two, there's one, like in this video that on the black power media interview, I'm like, is that even, Oh, so it's just because it's one, it's better. Like, you know, one person, excuse one woman. Oh. One, yeah, one woman. Just one. Like it kind of like objectifying. It's really gross. So, yeah, I, I think such an interesting time. And in- mm-hmm. I thank you for shedding light on this because there's so much behind it. There's so much history and knowledge mm-hmm. that no one like. Like as much as Kwanzaa has brought up to me, I've never looked into it, and I right now I know like yeah nope I, I know <laughs> even when you so Google she, when you Google Kwanzaa it's not on there it's not I can't there. imagine yeah yeah like and I guess there is this but I, then I think about it in a way of like you know there are many people that practice religions that I don't know I don't think everyone agrees with like Abraham or Muhammad or. Mm-hmm. Jesus even you know but is this man Jesus <laughs> is this man Abraham 
Is he he a prophet? And even what is even the, what is prophecy? And as we were talking today, I thought of, it's so interesting. I took a class recently with um, just an amazing poet and teacher. Her name is L.A. Warman um, of Warman School. She teaches a virtual, like different uh, poetry courses I've taken two with her thus far. The first one was depression earlier this year and then God. And he gave us a syllabus of just like readings to read. Um, And in that class, like we just asked a lot of questions about God and what is God and the concept of God and who we talk to. And yeah, I don't know. I think of just like, I forgot who said it, but there's this quote and it's like, when God is male, the male is God. And I think that, yeah, there's just this, I wish that women were in the same vigor, like creating our own rituals and, you know, taking into account our own practices. While I don't celebrate, like I don't identify religiously currently with anything, although I feel spiritual and, you know, attached and in tune to that as someone that is a descendant of like, you know, being Haitian, I will always have like a spiritual aspect to me. I'm really interested in, I just like lost my whole train. There it goes. I left. Yeah. Just like women taking it on our own spiritualities and like, yeah, the image of Mary and Mary always being erased from the narrative of Christmas. It's always about Jesus and baby Jesus. Like he has a mother, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I love like whenever I see like a Virgin Mary outside or like Guadalupe or like those saints, I always leave a little candle you know light a candle if it's there like a shrine or you know just Mm -hmm. do a little sign of the cross even if I I, like I don't know why but just seeing that symbol of like you know this this Venus um and that feels like my spirituality currently and my like religious and practice is just like very like female centered and 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 worship and and thinking of like birth and and, you know, as cliche as it is, and, you know, and people would critique others for it, but that feels more like in tune with Christmas is, yeah, acknowledging Jesus had a mom, Jesus, like there was, you know, there's so many aspects to Christ or Christmas or, you know, I don't know. I can't even remember the whole origin story of Hanukkah at this point too. And I, I don't even know how I would tie it in. I'm not, you know, again, like, very limited Passover dinners and Hanukkah dinners with my friends, but nothing I can really speak to on the Jewish faith, but still admire it deeply and have deep love and respect. I'm curious about, yeah, where you are and how Christmas has been for you in the past and your interest in Kwanzaa this year. So back to the the new like Instagram notes thing. Mm-hmm. I was just, like I told you, trolling because there's been a lot of talk about Christmas and then for some reason, I just started telling people jokingly that we celebrate, me and my husband, we celebrate Kwanzaa because I think it's just like a joke because it's no, right. just like white and I'm black and it's like, yeah, we celebrate Kwanzaa now. I'm, I married a black woman. We celebrate Kwanzaa. We're black now. So I think I that's, yeah, but I'm not fully interested. And you sharing the different days and the principles and the message of each of those sounds beautiful. You wouldn't think there's any darkness behind it or anything. It's and I'm like, it is. And then mm-hmm. the Swahili language is interesting. Mm-hmm. Voice. I wonder where that's the East yeah. African 
why that exists. It's so interesting to me because um, Haitian voodoo, a lot of it is Mm -hmm. derivative of Yoruba, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Nigerian. Nigeria, yeah. Yeah, uh, religious practices. And there's an amazing book that I'm meaning to finish for the last years of my life, but I will finish eventually by Mm -hmm. Zora Neale Hurston called Tell My Horse. And I've only read half of it. It's her experiences going to Jamaica and Haiti, um, researching Obia and, and Haitian voodoo. And she just talks about different rituals and marital rituals that they have in Obia and Jamaica. And um, I think of, yeah, like I, I literally keep brain farting. I don't even know where I was going. This awesome. Oh, sorry. This happens to me all the time. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can keep talking because I literally forgot. Oh, but you asked me about Christmas and mm-hmm. so it just it's been like a default holiday growing up Christian mm-hmm. never dabbled into Catholicism I have strong feelings about Catholicism I'm like As it's, <laughs> it's really to me that's how I see it. it's really ritualistic and it the rituals that you do to get closer to God bring you further from God because <laughs> you're doing all these things to be okay with God and appease him but it's like that's not even what he wants it's not Mm -hmm. good works that you need to do I always like to emphasize the relationship that you have Mm -hmm. like even if you don't identify as Christian or any like I don't say I'm I'm Mm non-denominational I just have that relationship and it's like a I feel spiritual about it and I don't yeah follow I don't say rules and regulations but rituals like I go to church as much as I can. I read the Bible as much as I can. I pray as much as I can, but it's not like you have to do this. Um, no, right. You're not imposing. Right, right. It's more like it, yeah. keep it genuine, keep it pure, like a relationship with anybody else, but more intentional and more like. Yeah, because it's for you ultimately. Like, right. I exactly. a lot of, in my experience, at least within my family, what has always turned me off to practicing Christianity Although like I, someone, I, my older sister is like a devout Christian and Mm. very faithful. And while we don't agree, I admire her for just always being open and also just moving as Christ. Like this is someone that does move Jesus like, and, Mm -hmm. and I admire that. I I admire whoever, whatever practice you have, as long as you're a integral and you, you know, live with dignity and you treat people as they want to be treated, you know, like, I'm not going to fault you for like what brings you peace and joy and like community and, you know, fellowship. But yeah, it's when people are getting, it's like when you're trying to touch my body and like, tell me like, you know, I can do this with it and I need to wear this and Mm. I need to be giving this much to the church every month. And and the pastor's pulling up at a Rolls Royce. and (laughs) (laughs) Where's my money going? I thought this was for the church. (laughs) Right. Now he's going on his 16th mission trip to Bali this year. Mm-hmm. What's going on? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And missionary trips. So I had mentioned briefly in the beginning, my family um, goes on mission trips quite frequently mm-hmm. to Haiti. Um, and my aunt actually has a church out there, Pierre Anguille. Butchered that, but French translation, you know, cornerstone church um, in Haiti. Shout outs you know, to, to church in Okai. And, you know, as an adult, my trips to Haiti have been on religious excursions. That's the only opportunities I've had to go 
back to Haiti Mm. and have felt safe. You know, when people, unfortunately, like there is a lot of violence and that's because of the U.S. occupation of Haiti and, you know, um, but like just, yeah, there's a lot of violence. So if they know that you're like with church or it's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, there's reluctance, you know, I mean, they're definitely, I'm sure some folks are still getting, you know, getting seen for, but yeah. So that, and, and I also, I don't know, I've always, I remember growing up and like resenting going to church in the morning, like at least when we stopped going to Catholic church and we would go to Pentecostal or evangelical Mm -hmm. church, Catholic church is 59 minutes and 60, 59 seconds, you know, (laughs) you're getting, you're in, you're out. Whereas evangelical church, you know, someone caught the Holy ghost and someone else caught the Holy ghost and, you know, it's beautiful, but I also sometimes would sit there and I'd just be like, I like feel bad because like, I don't feel much. And, but also I remember there was a period where I was kind of like, I was on sabbatical in college. I had taken a semester off. I had had some mental health issues and um, while I was home, you know, my mom was like, of course, what is an antidepressant? You just need Jesus. You know, so I was going to church a lot, but honestly found a lot of refuge and safety going to church and, and kind of being a little rebellious and letting, like, you know, asking questions during group. And I want, like, at the end of the day, like, I feel like, you know, everyone, you should, you should be able to hold your own. Like, I think that you, you have to get to a point in a time where you're like, okay, I can no longer just take on my parents' religion because that's what they gave me. What is my faith? What is my calling? Who do I talk to? Who, what is the center in my life? And, and, it, you know, having those moments for yourself and being able to stand on your, your ten toes. So it was really fun to like, you know, be openly like, at, like, I'm never rude at church. I'll d- I love like, music and the gospel music and it's so interesting to me because (laughs) Haitian people especially Christian Haitian people are extremely superstitious and uh, while in denial of voodoo are always like somebody's doing voodoo somebody's doing voodoo it's like well voodoo doesn't exist but everybody's doing voodoo so what's up so what is it like I don't get it (laughs) it's it's how it now has such a negative connotation which I'm like in my own personal life trying to deconstruct I I don't have a voodoo currently but very interested in, in, in voodoo, but like, um, a lot of the worship is like, I'm like, they're not doing this at the white church. Like it's still so African there's tambourines, you know, there's like drums and, uh, like just dancing and, and release. And that feels really cool. Um, and I love, you know, going to, I'll go to church during Christmas and stuff. My, but then it always feels very performative. My mom's always like, go up there, ask the pastor to pray for you. Ask them to pray. I'm like, oh my God, that's yeah. I don't need to do all that. But um, although like, you know, it, as long as it's innocent. I don't know. I have something yeah. like, yeah, very, very, I, yeah. But I also feel like I am a child of God you know I I move with God and speak to God and um yeah I I think that it was an interesting phase in my life when I was atheist I think that it was rebellious and it felt reactive to just being in such a polarized religious upbringing and you know I'm like I don't know I don't want to put up a Christmas tree and destroy the planet for a plant that's going to be up for a day or I don't know, just having <laughs> yeah. fun with it. But then that also feeling so fleeting and that excitement, whereas like, yeah, like while I am such a, a 
firm believer in science and like the big bang i'm also interested in like we also still don't have an answer for the big bang we don't know why the big bang banged we just know it banged we have that proof but like you know like that still leaves that interesting plane for hope and magic and wonder and mm. godliness and and fun and yeah yeah you make a really good point i want to touch on about you do have to question authority and religion and like what you're brought up with that way when you do find your own it's genuine it's what you believe mm-hmm. and it's what you or what you can make sense of mm-hmm. so that's a good point and then when you say like voodoo also that's i think i still stigmatize it because oh, for, of it course is. there's been so much propaganda mm-hmm. one within our cultures two within well one like the whole genre of zombie movies comes from Haiti and Haitian folklore um, and, you know, voodoo. And I can't quite tell you the exact origins right now, but, you know, definitely follow up and, and interested, you know, definitely am interested in horror. But like, yeah, you even think of Princess and the Frog being in like Louisiana. And um, I think of like horror noir. I'm always talking about horror noir and, there's a scholar, I'm not sure her name off the top of my head, but um, she has a PhD in horror studies and she published a book called Horror Noir. You know what, let me do this woman justice. I'm gonna find her name currently. But um, she just talks about the origins of horror. Um, and yeah, so voodoo has this negative connotation within like American film. And someone pointed out within when you think of like Stephen King, who is one of the most American, you know, if not most popular authors in the world, you know, one of the most American coveted authors who a lot of his inspiration, and they talk about this in Horror Noir, is from like, oh, this house was, or The Shining in particular, I think of The Shining. I I love that movie, but a lot of it is Jack Nicholson's character being at this hotel that was on an like indigenous graveyard and that being an aspect of the horror right these like dead black and brown people and their their voodoo and like you know there's a movie called the rainbow and the serpent that's like about haitian voodoo too i've not seen it um and i can't speak on it but yeah i think that i too i mean i was told growing up all the time to be afraid of voodoo and you know, to be careful of magic and you never know who's doing magic and don't leave your hair around and, you know, you don't, don't say, don't, you don't know who, who has it. Like, there's just so much paranoia. And like, it's so interesting to me how a religion that helped liberate us that like, you know, kept our culture alive that even the word for God in Creole is bon Dieu. And like, I don't know what the exact translation is like to English. I would even say like, just good, like bon, like good, goodness, right? That is like of like voodoo and like, yeah, it's it's just, there's so much that is integral to Haitian culture that cannot be separated from, from voodoo. I think we all still have a lot of work to do to demonize uh, like voodoo. And it's really at stake. Like a lot of, I mean, I don't know anyone in my family that practices openly, like, you know, like 
there are little things that people will do that's just like little voodoo stuff that I mean, thinking the first time I ever menstruated, like I called my grandmother, like I was told to call my grandma and she was like, drink lemon juice and tie a rope around your stomach for like good periods. And, you know, they wouldn't like, that's voodoo. Like that's like, you know, and herbal medicine, like my grandmother is 93, blessed be, and is diabetic and like drinks these herbs from Haiti every day. And like orders them like I don't even know what they are I'm sure it's like you know chamomile or something (laughs) but like teas and that's part part of it too like a lot of it is it's so interesting to me because like a lot of voodoo was herbal medicine and and you know being people don't having access to medical care in rural Haiti at least like my family is from the country my mom's side is from Okai like Kai my dad is from Jacmel you know, so, you know, your priestess or your priest, like only having that, that being your medical care and, and, or them doing divinations for you through dreams. It's funny because Haitian people, Christians don't, they're like, I don't, you know, practice voodoo, but my mom always be like, I had a dream, something happened or like some inkling and, and, and taking, you know, dream messages very seriously. So it's always interesting, the, the weird rituals that we do even as like even in black american culture like jump in the broom and like you know things just like little knickknacks that are i'm so deeply interested in in all of the galagichi people on like the east coast like in the carolinas like the indigenous african people as well and their ritualistic practices if they have any like i don't want to misspeak and also like louisiana voodoo Mm -hmm. Cuban, like, I don't know, I, that, that's my next practice. But again, voodoo is a closed practice. It's only for black people. Like, so it's not, you're not, you're not going to find it on Etsy. You're not going to find it. That is so, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that because it's really, it's like the subtle things, like the herbal medicine, the teas, Mm -hmm. it's, and I was having this conversation the other day about how it was after church. Um, we came back from church and I was like, a lot of like the Western world and Americans are not spiritual the way Black people are, Africans mm-hmm. are, or the world outside of white America. So the white, yeah, everybody else, but <laughs> like you guys. <laughs> And then you speaking about voodoo, it's like, well, that's just, it's all very spiritual. You see things in a spiritual way. It's not so much literal. And then when you look at the Bible too, it's not always literal. It's a lot of it is like spiritual or speaking and you have to read them between the parables. Words. Yeah. Parables. Like, yeah. If your eyes causing you to sin, gouge your eye. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that just opened my mind up to see voodoo oh, yeah. in a different way. Because I'm like, I'm thinking cool. of voodoo dolls and stuff. I know, needles. that's all like Americanization. <laughs> yeah, it's been Americanized for me. For <laughs> American? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking about the Crucible. Have you ever read the Crucible? Mm, Arthur Miller? Yes. So interesting to me. Like, <laughs> Arthur Miller's like, being a communist is like being a nigger. Like, no, it's not. You're not Titiba. Like, mm-hmm. but like, I, the witch hunt of McCarthyism. I mean, there was a true, you know, hunt for communists in the 1960s, 70s, even now. But like, um, free Hassan Shakur, that's what I'm going to say. But um, <laughs> she ain't do nothing. 
But um, yeah, I'm thinking about just, yeah, the crucible, Titaba, like just her doing voodoo in the beginning and her being yep. from, she was Bohemian, I think, from Bahama. Mm-hmm. That learning that in class, like that black figure, dark magic, even the word, I'm thinking about like how Malcolm X says, like, he's like, notice devil's food is chocolate cake. And like, there is that like, yeah, the voodoo dolls. And even when you think of the craft, that movie growing up, like mm-hmm. there hasn't been positive imageries of like black witchcraft or black paganism. Think of like maybe Harry Potter, like the black characters being like witches and warlocks and stuff or twitches with like yeah. Tia Clara. <laughs> We love it. We love it. But like, yeah, there isn't positive. And, and, and that's another thing too. Like there's, if you have malicious intent that could be regged up in any religion or practice. Mm -hmm. Also the rules of three, like apply in voodoo. Like if, yeah, if you want to curse someone, that's fine. But you know, a curse, you're bounding yourself to someone when you curse them, you know, they're like, you're committing to, to being like closer to, that's tying yourself to them if you're cursing them. remember that like there isn't a need for you know why I I think that I'm also pro bitterness and vengeance and you know I think those are healing energies as well and anger there are also aren't productive and aren't the core values of like voodoo like you know there is one all being god in voodoo and then like laws like minor gods I just I just have I feel so enlightened and Oh my god! Just I love learning, and this is like good knowledge to have, especially in religion, because I feel like I limit myself when mm-hmm. it comes to learning about. Because I don't want to. Yeah, you're like I don't want to spoil my. Yeah. But then I think of there's this Carl Sagan quote. I love Carl Sagan, um, astrophysicist who's now passed, but he's like, if it can be destroyed by the truth, it deserves to be destroyed by the truth. And I feel like if there is a, you know, there are narratives, even in my own life, even as someone that doesn't necessarily have a spiritual concreteness, I challenge myself sometimes if I'm moved by a Christian mm-hmm. quote or a Bible quote, I'm like, maybe that, I needed to see that. Maybe that was a spirit talking to me. Maybe that was a message from God, like, and not closing myself off to those messages or, you know, so I think it works, you know, vice versa. And I don't you know, being opened as well and not writing people off automatically. And Right. As long as you know what the truth is, you can be open to like seeing or reading different things. <laughs> like, yeah, know, yeah. Completely closed off, but still knowing where you are in your religious walk or your spiritual world right. is important. Yeah, it is. I agree. I think that, yeah, I am excited by life and, and to learn and constantly learn. But also sometimes I've, I've felt resentful of spirituality and sometimes when it feels like it robs me of my humanity in my, you know, people looking at me differently because I am attracted to the same sex or like, um, you know, being told I'm going to hell for that or like I'm automatically... I ate the apple, like, you know, or I'm tempting men by being alive. Like those narratives, I'm not, you know, like, no, it's all a video game. This is all a video game. <laughs> no, there's so much to know, like so much to uncover and to discover. Mm-hmm. A lot of good sure. stuff. I guess we could wrap up. Yes. I'm just going to let everything, just going to process, yeah, <laughs> lots to process. And Tons. I love your your brain and your mind. You retain so much. Oh my much. god! 
I love, love your brain and mine. I'm so honored and like pleasured to have spoken to you and, you and for you to contact me. And like, I, I loved your episode with Mike. Um, yeah, I'm so, so, so honored. So thank you for your time. I'm happy I met you. That was a good. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Michael's like, oh, like Clara. Who I should meet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think we should get an episode. You, 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 me, and like just. I would love that. that yeah, me, me, and Mike are always like we are always like we're gonna do a podcast. For it. Oh, you know, he, yes, he's he a better should. executor. I think that he's a better executor. I'll give him that. It's that Virgo Sun action happening. Okay, I, that makes sense. But no, <laughs> you two. Your conversations, I would love a podcast from both of you. Oh my gosh. I'll let him know for sure. That would be why. Fatherhood pet. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, I, I really adore Mike. I love talking to him. He's the best. He's the best. Me too. Yeah. I'm grateful for this connection. Yes, absolutely. And he connected me to you. So very good. Yeah, exactly. We love it. I'm going to have you end the episode with one final thing that you want to share with whoever's listening oh wow (laughs) one final thought is just like be open to life's surprises and like be delighted in just like the simplicity and that's coming from a Sagittarius sun and moon I'm someone that like has struggled with feeling grounded and I constantly always want to feel stimulated and want like you know some sort of action and fear boredom and boredom is healthy boredom is good it's okay to have a routine it's 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 like really that i've been leading into and i i push on to people having routine and also finding delight and simplicity and being surprised and taking that extra time to make your coffee cute and take a picture of it and post it who cares there are no rules like you know just like living every day in the present i had like a couple like a very tough couple of last years and have really went through the ringer and like tons of like just like quarter life crisis and really questioned my even purpose on earth and if I wanted to be on earth quite frankly and you know ultimately got to the decision of like I don't know what's on the other side and do I even really want to go or do I just like want a better life and and Cornally, like, you know, the affirmations work and, and journaling works. And, you know, even if it's 10 minutes a day of just putting your phone down in another room, read something. And even if it's an article and even if it's the back of a CD or or something like, I don't know, finding delight and surprises and being curious and assuming that everyone has positive or intentions and you know we're all dealing with complexities in the same way has allowed for me to be more forgiving of myself and others and yeah just take pleasure in normalcy and the small things (laughs) wow i'm over here nodding like that you really spoke to me thank you i'm glad love that (laughs) that touches everybody else who was listening because it's everybody happy. needs to hear that i'm glad i'm glad mm-hmm. this was really lovely it was i'm like my mind is just i'm so stimulated right let now. me know round two part two yes i will have you back for sure this was good yeah. well enjoy the rest of your day and tomorrow and the weekend is here merry christmas to you happy hanukkah <laughs> and <laughs> Um, maybe Kwanzaa too. Tell your your husband I said have Kwanzaa.
I <laughs> thank you again so so much. Thank you, Rosen. <laughs>